You're listening to the Oddscast, the original UFC betting podcast that's straight to the point. Hosted by leading MMA oddsmaker Nick Kalikas and MMA journalist Brian Hemminger, they provide you the absolute best UFC betting info, picks, statistics, and analysis from the most respected authority in mixed martial arts betting. MMAoddsbreaker.com. Don't place your wagers without us. Welcome to the Oddscast. I'm Brian Hemminger, joined today by leading mixed martial arts odds maker Nick Kalikas of Circus Sports to break down tonight's UFC Vegas 5 event, which takes place at the UFC Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada. If you're unfamiliar with our format, Nick and I will break down the fight card from top to bottom, providing extensive analysis and a pick for each fight after doing our film study for the event. UFC Vegas 5 features a 10-fight card in total and will be aired on ESPN Plus tonight. Let's dive right in. Now, kicking things off on the preliminary card, Bantamweight fight featuring Chris Gutierrez, who is 15-3-1, and and Cody Durden, who is 11-2. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? A quick note here before we get rolling. The opening betting odds that I'm going to be quoting here are from MMAOddsBreaker.com, the opening betting odds for UFC on ESPN plus 31, Shabazi and Brunson article that Adam Martin wrote. So all the opening odds that I'm quoting are market prices from that article. And the updated odds that I I will be quoting are from CircaSports.com and CircaSports here in Las Vegas. So make sure you check those guys out as well. And anytime you're in Vegas, make sure you check out CircaSports, the D, Golden Gate, and soon-to-be Circa Las Vegas. All right, getting right into the first fight. We have Gutierrez opening minus 305, the comeback on Durden at plus 225. And right now looking over at Circa Sports, we have minus 315 for Gutierrez, the comeback on Durden at plus 265. I'll tell you what, this is a great fight to start things off. I mean, this should definitely be fireworks. you got to love what you see from Gutierrez. He's starting to find his groove, get a little bit more comfortable in the UFC. He has fantastic striking. He's got precision. He's got accuracy. He mixes things up well. He's got knockout capabilities, vicious leg kicks as we've seen in his last fight. So the guy's definitely on the rise. He's working on his overall complete mixed martial arts game, which his kryptonite in the past has been getting put on his back and maybe outgrappled a little bit as well. So he's starting to close those holes a little bit, getting better in those areas, and his takedown defense, of course, always improving. So he wants to keep this thing upright. He wants to utilize this amazing striking and get things done on the feet. Durden, on the other hand, man, he's an interesting prospect for sure. I like what I see in him. He's got a wrestling background. He's got power in his hands. He's got decent boxing to go along with a very, very good ground game. I mean, the guy is in pursuit of takedowns pretty often. Once he gets you to the ground, he immediately goes goes for position, tries to pound you out, or looks for a submission as well. So the guy's a finisher on the ground. He's got that killer instinct. He's got confidence. And again, his blueprint's clear to him every fight that he goes into. I mean, he can stand and bang with the best of them, but at some point he's going to shoot, look to take this fight to the ground, and then do what he does best on the ground. So I like the wrestling in Durden. I think he's a very tough out here. And despite Gutierrez being, I think, on a roll and, and never being, I think, better in his career, this is going to be a difficult test for him because I think Durden's going to come in here uh, with that kind of relentless pressure, and he's going to try to do his best to, to kind of dictate and get this fight to the ground. I think Gutierrez probably stuffs it, probably dictates and controls the fight a little bit better than Durden does and ends up picking him apart. So I do like Gutierrez. I just think it's a tough spot at the betting window. Minus 315 is definitely a pass for me. I mean, it's a dog or pass situation, to be honest with you. Durden's probably uh, getting a little bit disrespected here at this price. It should be a little bit more competitive than the line indicates, but let's not forget 
Durden also stepping in on a little bit of a short notice here as well. So Goodyear should be more prepared for this win. Um, so I'm going to pick him to win this fight, but at the betting window, again, it's a dog or pass situation, but the pick is Gutierrez for me. Yeah. Gutierrez was originally supposed to face uh, Luke Sanders and uh, Durden now is stepping in for Sanders after he uh, withdrew from the fight. So uh, that kind of shows you what the UFC thinks of him. Um, and, Gutierrez is coming off of one of the best performances of his career in his last fight against Vince Morales. I mean, he was already performing relatively well with a two-fight winning streak in the UFC, but then against Morales, I mean, those leg kicks were disgusting, and he eventually finished the fight with leg kicks in the the second round. So, um, you know, this guy's striking is no joke. Um, he's definitely making some serious strides there. He now has a three-in-one record in the UFC, but that one loss... It was a submission loss to Rayoni Barcelos. So, um, if Durden is able to get the ground game going, you know, this fight gets interesting in a hurry because, um, you know, Gutierrez definitely is the superior striker here. He has better power. He mixes it up better. And as long as it stays standing and at a distance, uh, fight range, uh, I think Gutierrez picks Durden apart and does some serious damage, especially with uh, his new confidence in his leg kicks, which he already was landing some good ones. But uh, now that they can finish fights, I think he gained even more confidence with them in the UFC. Um, but if Durden is able to, to get inside and drag this to the floor, uh, this does get interesting uh, because Gutierrez, you know, that takes his striking completely out of the equation. Just will he be able to do that? On short notice, uh, Durden is talented. He does have a decent, uh, submission game, decent wrestling. Um, I'm just not quite convinced that he's going to be able to, to utilize it easily, uh, against, uh, Gutierrez. I mean, he is coming into this fight on a pretty decent win streak, um, has a, uh, but I also don't quite think that he's faced that elite level of talent. So I think, uh, Coming in here on pretty short notice, taking on somebody as good as Gutierrez is, um, and as good as Gutierrez has proved shown to be, um, I think that uh, Durden is a little bit in over his head. So I'm going to go with Gutierrez as well. Now, moving up to featherweight, we have Jamal Emers, who is 17-5, and five, taking on Vincent Cachero, who is 7-2. and two. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Emmer's open minus 265, the comeback on Cachero at plus 185. And right now, looking over at the market price, we are seeing Emmer's minus 340, the comeback on Cachero at plus 280. So Emmer's getting some action early on at most sports books, not really a surprise. I mean, he's going to have a big advantage. First of all, he's going to be a, a, the more natural featherweight, of course. He's going to be the bigger fighter. Cachero typically fights at bantamweight. Uh, but man, make no mistake about it. Cachero is a warrior. He's stepping in on extremely short notice, only a couple days. So you got to tip your hat off to him for that. And on top of it, though, I mean, he's facing a very game and dangerous opponent in Embers. So Fighting up a weight class, fighting a very skilled opponent like Emmers, this is not an easy task. But Cachero is going to probably drop back down, win or lose, to bantamweight, and I think he will have success in the UFC. So this is a great pickup. Hats off to the UFC for grabbing Cachero. He deserves to be in this spot. That being said, both of these guys extremely well-rounded, extremely talented. 
Um, I mean, it just, it's unfortunate for Cachero. I think Embers could probably dictate control where this fight takes place. He, I think he's got a little bit of an edge on the feet. He's got a bigger edge on the ground and with the wrestling and again, kind of dictating the tempo of this fight. So I think Embers edges Cachero out and grinds him out enough to get a decision. So not much more to be said here. I think if Cachero can find his spots and uh, keep his space and distance, I think he can have some success on the feet for sure. Um, like I said, the guy's very skilled in all areas, but I think here he's just going to kind of get smothered. Emmer's going to have some success at, at distance as well. And then I think he ends up um, doing what he does and take the fight to the ground and probably just edging this fight out clear enough to get the card. So the pick is Emmer's over a very game opponent in Cachero, and it should be a pretty good fight. And this should be interesting because, you know, I was originally going to be picking against Emmer's uh, in his originally scheduled fight against Valiev. And that got scrapped at the last second here, right before weigh-ins um, yesterday. And, but now with a, you know, super short notice replacement opponent moving up a weight class, um, even though I do think Cachero is pretty talented, uh, it's just the history, the tradition of somebody taking a fight on a day's notice up a weight class, making their UFC debut doesn't typically go well. I mean, there are a few outliers where the guy comes in and, you know, pulls off a huge upset or lands that big shot. And it has happened. But, uh, I mean, historically, you just have to side here with uh, the the veteran that had a full training camp and everything. Um, now, Cachero does have some talent and some finishing ability. But Emmers is going to be the bigger guy, the more athletic guy. He should have the conditioning here. He's the better wrestler. I think he's the better striker. Um, uh, he's coming off of a really close loss to Giga Chikadze uh, in his last fight at UFC 248 that you could definitely argue he should have won. Um, Emmers is pretty decent with a ground game as well, so... I just don't see a lot of easy paths to victory here for uh, Cachero. So uh, I just think Emmers is going to be the more physical guy. And I can see him winning this fight with his wrestling and with his striking um, and just wearing Cachero out. So uh, props to Cachero for stepping up on super short notice, but I have to side with Emmers here. Now, sticking with the featherweight division, we have Nathan Maness, who is 11 and 1, taking on Johnny Munoz Jr., who is 10 and 0. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Maness opened minus 140, the comeback on Munoz 120. And right now, market pricing is about the same, really. Minus 140, plus 120, minus 135 is out there, plus 115 is out there as well. So not a lot of action coming in. Of course, Manis originally scheduled to take on Ray Borg. Now it gets a super late replacement in Munoz. So hats off to Munoz. We were just talking about Cachero stepping up on short notice. Munoz did it as well. I mean, these guys, not much more can be said. I mean, these guys want to be on the UFC uh, roster. So they're fighting to get in. And uh, I think obviously they're in their spots by taking the fights on this short notice. And then uh, the future, I think, is bright for both these guys. I like what I see in Munoz. I mean, he's a tremendous grappler. Um, he's got the ability in most cases to take the fight to the floor. He's a work in progress on the feet still, but he does have some athleticism for sure. He's got some speed, a little bit of power, but where it's at with Munoz is definitely the ground. If you get top position, you're in some serious trouble. Even if you put him on your back, on his back, excuse me, you're in some serious trouble there as well because he's got really slick BJ 
JJ. So he's capable of finishing opponents off his back. And like I said, in top position, of course, and that's what he's going to want to do probably against Manus here in this spot. Manus is going to be naturally bigger, stronger. I think he's going to have an edge on the feet a little bit. And again, he was preparing for a grappler in Ray Borg. So this isn't really much of a change for Manus. Um, so this is kind of an uphill battle for Munoz Jr. I think in this spot, although again, the odds are competitive. Munoz Jr. could definitely get in here and stir things up, get the fight to the floor possibly and win by submission if he does. So Manus has to be careful. He has to fight a very intelligent fight and avoid the ground at all costs against Munoz Jr. Even though he was training for Borg, similar game plan, like I said. Um, so, I mean, you're seeing a, a competitive line for a reason. Munoz is definitely dangerous. I'm tempted to pick him straight out because I think this guy has that much talent and potential if he wasn't taking this fight on a freaking day's notice. So um, a lot to like about Munoz for sure. But with that being said, again, Manis has been preparing. He's a little bit, I think, better off in this spot, um, even with the opponent change. And I think stylistically, if he fights smart, he should be able to win this fight. So slight, slight edge to Manis. I think the odds are probably about right. So I'm going to pick him to win. Manis was already preparing for somebody very similar to Munoz in that uh, Ray Borg. And Ray Borg is a better grappler than Munoz. Uh, Munoz does have a lot of submissions to his credit and he's 10 and 0, you know, all fights in the, the king of the cage, uh, promotion. So, you know, the guy clearly has some talent. Um, but I just don't think that his wrestling and grappling are at that same level that Ray Borg's was. So basically, Maness, who already is a very talented fighter, um, is now taking on somebody that's just not quite as good of a version of uh, who he was preparing for. You know, I thought that Maness had a pretty decent opportunity against Borg, although I was going to pick Borg. But again, somebody filling in on 24 hours notice up a weight class um, with this fight taking place at 145. Uh, although I think Maness originally was going to be dropping down, um, but now with it on super short notice, he doesn't have to. And Maness historically has fought at featherweight. So uh, I just think Munoz is a little bit in over his head on super short notice again. So again, tough to pick the guy stepping in on crazy short notice. And I do think Munoz is talented and I you know, wouldn't be shocked if he pulled something off, but I just think the paths to victory here for Maness are uh, definitely a little bit more. Uh, I think he has uh, some pretty good power. You know, he has a lot of TKOs on his record. And if he can uh, get the striking going, potentially even if he can get top position on the ground, he could be in some good, good, in a good place. And he should have a little bit of size here as well, being a five foot ten. Um, you know, if he can use that at all uh, against uh, the much smaller Munoz then uh, I see Munoz really struggling uh, to to drag this to the floor and work get his ground game going. So my pick is also going to be Menace. Now, dropping down to the Bantamweight division, we have Frankie Sainz, who is 12-6, taking on Jonathan Martinez, who is 11-3. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Martinez minus 225, the comeback on Saints plus 190. And right now what we see over at Circus Sports, Martinez minus 260, the comeback on Saints at plus 220. So more action coming in Martinez's way. I was part of that action early on, around minus 210, minus 220-ish. 
or so. Um, I did jump on the Martinez train. I, I felt the line was going to keep on rising, maybe getting to close to minus 300 or so. Um, and you know, it started getting there. It's minus, like I said, 260 right now, but. Martinez did miss weight, so I think that shook things up a little bit. That made you scratch your head. Um, if you're betting Martinez for sure, we don't know what kind of conditioning or what kind of camp he's really had. Um, so that is definitely a concern. But that being said, stylistically, this should be a pretty decent fight for him. He's fa- facing a veteran. I have a ton of respect for Sainz. I think he's an outstanding fighter, obviously. He's got decent boxing, but it's, it's his wrestling, it's his grappling ability that should get it done for him if he's going to win this fight and pull off the upset over Martinez. That's what he needs to do. He doesn't want to spend a lot of time mixing things up on the feet with Martinez. Martinez is way too dangerous. Martinez has a very capable ground game as well. So this is just a tough fight for Sainz. I mean, like I said, other than him coming in here and trying to get the takedown repeatedly and kind of making this a dull, boring fight, and maybe hoping now at this point, since Martinez did miss weight, that he gasses in the later rounds. I mean, that's his path to victory. I just don't see it playing out. Sainz has been out for over a year. I think Martinez is kind of one of these guys that's on the rise. He's younger. I think he's faster. I think he's a, a lot more dangerous in this spot than Sainz. So I do like him. I think he should win in this fight. He can win on the scorecards if he has to. But I think more than likely he could probably get a finish over Sainz. So that's why I like him so much. So again, where the current line is now and with him missing weight, I wouldn't really recommend laying minus 250, minus 260 or so. Um, again, if you miss the boat on the minus 210s, minus 220s out there, I think you probably just got to stay away from it at this point. But I do like Martinez. And I think he does get it done, and hopefully he does. Like I said, I got a little bit of action on him myself already. So, uh, Martinez it is. And I'm not that thrown off by Martinez missing weight. I mean, the fact that he came in so overweight kind of tells me that he knew he wasn't quite going to make it, so he just gave up on the weight cut early and didn't drain himself as much. And that's probably even going to be a positive for him, potentially, Um so, you know, props to Saints for holding out for a little bit of extra cash, I think, um, because uh, I think, you know, Martinez still has a pretty clear path to victory here. I mean, this guy is athletic, he has power, um, and he is a, a talented fighter. He's the, I think, uh, on the rise here in the Bantamweight division, while Saints, you know, formerly being a ranked fighter, uh, you know, I think that he's kind of nearing the end here. Um, he... Had a good run in the Bantamweight division, but, uh, and, you know, he, he had a, a slight comeback here with, uh, the wins against Brionis and, uh, Devalishvili, but you, you kind of saw what happened in his last fight against Vera, just getting blasted in a minute 25. And I think Jonathan Martinez, uh, is, uh, another guy that they're kind of throwing him in there against somebody that's really talented. Um, you know, Martinez had, uh, uh, a decent run so far in the UFC, but uh, I, I thought that he should be on a three-fight winning streak, honestly. I thought that you could definitely argue he beat Ewell, and then before that he was on, on a two-fight run. Um, you know, This guy has some power. I think the thing that really is convincing me that he can pull this off is while Sainz is going to be looking for takedowns, Martinez has a pretty dangerous knee. I mean, he finished uh, Lou with it uh, in his last UFC win in the third round. So uh, I'm not that worried that he's uh, going to guess or anything because, you know, he's already picked up a third round finish, a late third round finish in inside the octagon. So Saint is going to try to make this ugly, but I think Martinez, as long as he can continue to create some space and get his striking going uh, against the much older, you know, it's on the decline Saints uh, and, you know, Saints, 
used to be very durable, and now we've seen him get rocked and finish quite a, a few times now. I think uh, the path to victory for Martinez by knockout is wide open. So I'm definitely on the, the Martinez wins, and I think that he does finish Sames along the way. Now, moving up to the middleweight division, we have Kevin Holland, who is 17-5, and five, taking on Trevin Giles, who is 12-2. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Holland opened minus 215, the comeback on Giles at plus 165. And right now, over at Circa Sports, we have minus 202 for Holland, the comeback on Giles at plus 177. So again, two-way action kind of coming into this fight. Giles um, is getting some action as we get closer to fight time. Holland was bet up at first, so we're going to continue to see, I think, at this pricing, some two-way action coming in here. I mean, this should be a great fight. Holland obviously has the length. He's got the reach. He's looked great recently. Giles has kind of been up and down a little bit. Um, he, he, make no mistake, though, he's a talented fighter. He's explosive. He's got definitely a lot of athleticism. He's got some speed. He's got capability in the wrestling department. Um, and his hands aren't bad offensively. Again, defensively at times with Giles is where you got to be concerned. He is hittable, of course. Um, and, you know, and he gets himself in weird situations. I mean, winning those fights that he, he actually lost back to back, um, it's just kind of a head scratcher in my opinion as well, because I think that Giles was doing pretty good. He starts to slow down a little bit. That's another concern you got to have in him. But what I was referring to is the mirror chart, the Cummings fights where he was seemingly on his way to, to get in the scorecards and he ended up getting submitted in uh, the third round in both of those fights. So defensively is a concern with Giles. Um, on the other hand, Holland, I mean, he's not the perfect defensive fighter either at the same time. I mean, he's hittable on the feet a little bit. And of course, on the ground, um, he's got some pretty slick and underrated BJJ, I think. Um, so offensively, he's, he definitely knows how to use that skill. But defensively, at times, he gives up his back. He gives gets himself in some trouble and he gives up some takedowns. So I think Giles can kind of exploit that a little bit where Holland needs to probably keep this upright. Keep off his back. Obviously, use the space and distance on the feet to kind of pick Giles apart. Here's the thing. This is a smaller cage for sure, and it's going to benefit Giles in that aspect of things, closing the gap, trying to get this fight to the ground and, and make this kind of a slower-paced fight. So I'm actually going to pick Giles. Even though Holland has the reach and has the tools on the feet to make this a miserable fight for Giles, I could see Giles getting clipped and, and this being over pretty quickly. I, I think Holland can finish him. But if this fight hits the scorecards, I think it's Giles' fight uh, to win or lose. I think Giles might be able to finish this on ground as well um, as it goes. I mean, I wouldn't count out a submission possibly or maybe positioning on the ground and getting Holland in a bad spot, but I think it's more of a path to victory for Giles on the scorecards and Holland probably inside the distance or Holland. I'm not saying you can't steal a decision here because it will be competitive, but um, I, I still kind of see this playing out. Like I said, Giles maybe on the cards or Holland possibly inside. So at the price, I think it's a dog or pass situation. I don't think you can lay the chalk here, even though Holland's looked great. I don't care if he goes out there and finishes Giles in the first minute and a half or less or whatever. I, I still think that this is a bad price pre-fight to lay. It's a dog or pass situation. In fact, I'm going to actually pick Giles straight out. I know that's not a popular or trendy pick, but I think Giles can present a lot of problems and cause problems for Holland. So the dog value is on Giles, I think, a little bit, and my pick is going to be on Giles as well. And I understand the, the Giles pick because uh, Kevin Holland has been so inconsistent in his UFC career. I mean, sometimes he looks like an absolute world beater, and then sometimes he shows up and it's just not there, and it's super frustrating. I mean, you look and... Uh, the performances, 
uh, are so inconsistent. Um, you know, barely beating Mearshart by split decision. Um, a split decision, uh, you know, just ugly decision against Tiago Santos. But then he shows up and completely obliterates Anthony Hernandez in his last fight. I mean, that was one of the best performances of his entire career, you know, because Hernandez is a tough dude and uh, was coming in with a 7-1 and record, was, you know, had was coming off a win. I picked Hernandez, and he just comes in and smokes him in 39 seconds uh, with a knee to the body and then, you know, ground and pound afterwards. So, you know, that skyrocketed the hype train back on Holland because, you know, this is a guy that, you know, people were really saying could, could uh, make some moves in the middleweight division. And uh, now, you know, the hype is right back on Holland, but people are forgetting how inconsistent he's been inside the octagon. Um, you know, he, you know, was having a lot of, you know, close decision fights. Uh, that being said, uh, Trevin Giles has been inconsistent and frustrating too. I mean, you know, this guy has a ton of talent. He's a great athlete, a good wrestler. Um, and he started out his UFC career with two pretty impressive stoppage victories. But then, uh, he ended up slowing down in fights and getting submitted in the third rounds against Zach Cummings and Gerald Mearshart, uh, before his most recent fight when he took on James Krause, who went up a weight class on a day's notice and just barely lost by split decision to to Giles. So this is three fights in a row where Giles has, you know, disappointed pretty badly. Um, and now he's taking on somebody that the hype train is back on. So I can totally understand why Holland is the big favorite here, but there definitely is a path to victory here for, for Giles. If he can utilize that athleticism and wrestling and close the distance and take uh, Holland out of his striking game, um, then there's a, a clear path to victory here for Giles. You know, if he can just put this in the clinch, put Holland on his back, but Holland is a good grappler too. You know, he does have some submission skills and we've seen now Giles slow down in fights and get submitted in the third rounds, uh, twice now by some decent, uh, submission artists. So, you know, I definitely am concerned here about Giles. Um, and as long as that same killer, Holland shows up that fought in his last fight. And again, you know, it might not happen, but if he does, I, I definitely like Holland to, 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 to win this fight. Um, in open space, he definitely has the edge. Um, you know, he has the ability to throw that vicious knee as Giles is closing the distance and knees are, you know, pretty much the number one anti wrestler weapon in, in MMA. So if he can land one of those as Giles is on the way and I could see him scoring a knockout, I also could see him catching uh, Giles with a submission. Uh, her, uh, Holland does have a decent submission game, and he does do some grappling competitions when he's not competing in MMA. Uh, he's fought in a couple different grappling promotions in the past uh, two years. So there's definitely a path to victory here on the ground and on the feet for Holland while I think Giles pretty much can only win this fight by making it ugly in the clinch and on the ground. Uh, so I'm going to go with Kevin Holland. I think uh, I'm going to side with the hype a little bit, uh, but I do understand uh, the devil's advocate here on Giles. Now, moving up to the light heavyweight division, we have Ed Herman, who is 24 and 14, taking on Gerald Mearshart, who is 31 and 13. 
Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Mearshard open minus 195, the comeback on Herman at plus 170. And right now what we're seeing at Circus Sports, minus 155 for Mearshard, comeback on Herma, Herman plus 135. Mearshard minus 155, Herman plus 135. Are you kidding me with this fight? I mean, what a crazy, wacky fight to break down and, and to predict, honestly. And, and those of you guys out there that understand where I'm, where I'm coming from are probably laughing in your own right. I mean, this is such a weird fight, such a tough spot. I mean, Mearschart, obviously the younger fighter, Herman, in 2020, being capable of pulling off a win like I think he is possibly here is amazing. He's been on a two-fight win streak. I mean, I, I just – it's insanity. So I can't get over this matchup. It's crazy. Mearschart, of course, coming off a very disappointing loss uh, not too long ago. Um, I mean, it was a head-scratcher as well. I didn't think he was going to get blown out of the water like he did. Um, so he's bouncing back, looking to redeem himself up a weight class against a savvy vet Ned Herman, which stylistically, if Mearshart can't get this fight to the ground, he's probably in trouble. I mean, Herman showed us recently that he's got enough left in the tank, especially since he's moved up to 205, that he's capable of, of pulling off wins. I mean, he's looked okay. His striking's probably overall better. Mearshart might have a little bit of speed over Herman, but I think Herman is definitely the more diverse striker and more capable and more powerful striker on the feet. Um, obviously Herman has that wrestling background, so he's going to have to use, utilize that takedown defense and keep this fight upright. Mearshart doesn't exactly have the best wrestling, so that's why this is a kind of a difficult matchup for him. I mean, if he does get this fight to the floor, of course, his submission skill is good enough to submit Herman fairly quickly. I mean, Herman's been in there with some great grapplers. He has a ton of sub losses throughout, historically throughout his career, but it's probably not as bad as that looks, I guess, on paper. His sub defense is a little bit better than that, but against Mearshart, make no mistake, he could probably get submitted fairly quickly. So Mearshart has to get this to the ground. Herman has to keep this fight upright. If Herman does, he's probably going to win. I'm going to go out on a limb and pick Herman. I'm going to keep the momentum flowing. I mean, Mearshart getting brutally knocked out or getting stopped, I should say. not Maybe not brutally, but still getting finished like he did not too long ago. Um, and Herman kind of coming in to this fight with confidence, momentum, the bigger guy. It's hard not to like him in this spot. It's a winnable fight. I can't believe I'm saying that. 2020, Herman is going to be my pick. So Ed Herman over Mearshart for me, I guess. Uh, not a confident pick, obviously, because, again, it's 2020 and I'm picking Ed Herman. But that being said, I think he's capable of winning this fight. Now, this is actually the third fight on the card where I was originally picking someone to lose. And now I am switching my pick to pick them to win because they are facing a new opponent on short notice that is moving up a weight class. Um, this time around, you know, Ed Herman was supposed to face Da'on Jung, you know, a younger, uh, you know, pretty decent fighter, and I was going to pick Herman to, to lose that fight. But now you've got Herman taking on Mearshart, who is typically a middleweight. Um, and Mearshart is coming in uh, one and a half months removed from getting knocked out in the first round by Ian Heinish. Uh, and now he's moving up a weight class. I just don't understand why Mearshart's taking this fight. I mean, yeah, there is a path to victory if he can get his submission game going, but... On the feet, Herman is the better technical striker here. Uh, he has superior boxing. He has power. He can take a shot. And Mearshart coming off of, you know, a quick knockout loss to somebody that, you know, typically is not a powerful striker on the feet or technical striker on the feet in Heinish. You know, this really concerns me. I think uh, if Herman can get his striking going in this fight, 
And especially with Mearshart, you know, being an okay wrestler, but not a great one. I don't see him easily taking Herman down and working him over with his submissions. Uh, there's a clear path to victory here for Herman. I know Herman has fought at middleweight before, but you know, this is, he's had about five fights in a row now at light heavyweight, maybe six even, uh, going back to the Boach fight. And he's coming off of, uh, two wins in a row, including, you know, decent wins. You know, Patrick Cummins was a pretty good wrestler. And Herman finished him in the first round with a knee and punches. Um, and uh, most recently, he won a decision against Ibrahimov, a guy that came into the UFC with a bit of hype. Uh, uh, didn't work out for him, but still, um, you know, Herman actually has a little bit of momentum. So, uh, you know, even at 39 years old, uh, Herman does still have uh, a little bit of ability left that he can keep going here at light heavyweight and... You know, Mearshart's no spring chicken at 32. He's actually fought more than Herman has, believe it or not. Not in the UFC, of course. But um, I just I just don't like uh, Mearshart here. I mean, he does have superior submissions, but uh, I think Herman, having been settled in now at light heavyweight, you know, he's going to be uh, stronger. He's uh, going to be more physical. He's definitely got the power advantage and the durability advantage. And unless Mearshart can drag this to the ground and work him over with uh, his ground game, I just see Herman knocking Mearshart out at some point, not just winning a decision, but finishing him along the way. I just don't think Mearshart can take some of those big shots that Herman can dish out. So I'm going to side with Ed Herman. Now, dropping down to the lightweight division, we have a rematch between Bobby Green, who is 25-10-1, and Lando Veneta, who is 11-4-2. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Veneta minus 175, the comeback on Green plus 150. And right now, what we're seeing over at Circus Sports is minus 160, for Veneta, the comeback, plus 140 on green. So, again, line margins have tightened up a little bit. And there has been some two-way action. Early on, green getting bet down a little bit, more action coming in his way, and the line dropping. And now we're seeing the line escalate a little bit towards uh, Veneta as we get some action back on him as well. So this is definitely a competitive fight. It should be if it hits the scorecards again. It's going to be a 29-28 type of decision. I think that decision will probably go to Veneta, though, in this spot. I know this is a rematch. The first fight was relatively close. If Veneta started slowing down a little bit, I think both these guys have, have definitely improved since their first fight. I think Green's plateaued a little bit more. I think I've seen more improvements and a little bit more of what I wanted to see from Veneta the last few fights um, in his game. So I think he's more ready for this fight. I think he's more ready this time. I mean, barring, obviously, the pandemic, Green did look pretty decent in his last fight not too long ago against Guida. Um, so I think he's going to be a little bit more of his to his advantage in that spot because he recently fought during this whole situation or whatnot. So, but Veneta, I think overall has shown some maturity. I think he's get, gotten a little bit to the point where you could trust him as far as being a little bit more consistent as far as round by round goes. So I think he could put his foot on the gas enough to actually take at least two out of three rounds, maybe all three rounds, of course, in this fight and maybe even finish green. I mean, green eventually will hit that spot where, I think, you know, everything's kind of, kind of catch up to him. Not that Veneta's a spring chicken either and in his own right, but I'm just saying, I think it's still overall, I see Veneta still rising a little bit where Green has plateaued and probably on a bit of a decline, if anything at all, even though he's looked okay recently, if that makes sense. So the point being, 
I think this is a good time for Veneta to kind of redeem himself, finally get that W that he should have got um, back a couple years back against Green and uh, and move on from there. So I think Veneta is capable of winning this fight. He's got the better wrestling. I think mixes things up on the feet well enough, and I think it will be close and competitive, but I think Veneta will take it. So my pick is Veneta, and at the current price, I think there's a little bit of value on him as well. Yeah, I mean, the last time these guys fought, Veneta was so close to finishing Green in the first round. I mean, he obliterated him in that round. Um, he dropped him, he hurt him repeatedly, and he just gassed himself out trying to finish Green. And because of that, Green was able to survive and then hold on and actually win the next two rounds because Veneta just couldn't uh, keep that same momentum going. I think as long as Vanetta paces himself, he's the better fighter here. Um, you know, he took Green down like five times in the last fight, so he's got the wrestling edge. Um, and then in the stand-up, I think Vanetta has a little bit more power. He's a little bit more diverse. Uh, Green is a pretty solid technical boxer. So, you know, I think on the feet it'll be competitive, but I think Vanetta is the more dangerous fighter here. I mean, he was very close to finishing Green. And while Green is pretty durable, we have seen him get finished on the feet, and he almost got finished on the feet by Vanetta last time. So uh, I think the paths to victory here are much more on the sides of Vanetta, and it seems like Vanetta has started to figure himself out a little bit. Uh, I know... You know, he had that crazy debut against Ferguson where he almost finished Ferguson, and he's been inconsistent at times in the UFC. Uh, he's had, you know, multiple draws, um, with Green and Frevola, but it seems like he started to realize his limitations. He shouldn't just constantly be going for a quick finish because if he doesn't get it, he slows down. So, uh, we've seen, you know, that last performance against Medeiros was pretty rock solid. Um, and then obviously the, the first round finish against Mariano, I thought looked, you know, he looked pretty good. Uh, now he still hasn't been able to put it together. He doesn't have two wins in a row in the UFC. He doesn't have two losses in a row in the UFC. So this would potentially be his first, uh, two fight winning streak if he can pull it off. But I, I feel like he's starting to finally come into his own a little bit. So I'm going to side with, uh, Vanetta. I, I think that he is just the more well-rounded fighter here. I think that he can take this to the floor and potentially win this on the feet. Uh, I just like his paths to victory here. And unless a similar situation happens where he has Green in trouble and empties the gas tank trying to put him away and can't do it, um, I think that, you know, if Vanetta pulls this out, he might be able to finish Green, but I think that he can win a decision too. So Vanetta's going to be my pick. Now, moving up to the welterweight division, we have Vicente Luque, who is 18-7-1, taking on Randy Brown, who is 12-3. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Luque, minus 215, Brown plus 185. Right now, what we're seeing over at Circus Sports is currently Luque, minus 210. The comeback on Brown, plus 180. So line dropped a little bit, came back up now. Um, and you know what? I mean, at first glance, line might be a little low. Luke is such the better fighter overall. I mean, Brown is talented for sure. Again, physical attribute wise, you got to look at Brown. You got to love that physique. He's got length. He's got the athleticism. He knows how to use it in most cases as well. So there's a lot to like about Brown, but Luke is a better stand up artist. Luke is a better ground practitioner for sure. Luke is a better wrestler. I mean, Luke just has the check marks across the board. That being said, 
I don't know. I don't like what I've seen in his last fight. Um, I think Luke looked flat. I, it, look, he fought a very game and dangerous opponent in Price, of course, in their rematch. But that being said, I still don't think Luke looked up to par. What we expect or as good as he should have probably looked. Again, give a lot of credit to Price. But, I mean, I don't know. I think he was a little flat. And I think if Brown could come in here and utilize that length, keep this fight upright, and land on Luke because Luke is very hittable, he could have success. Brown's going to have to fight a very good, clean, near-perfect fight to win this matchup. I think he's capable of doing that. So it's tough at the betting window uh, because I think it is probably a dog or pass situation based on what we've seen recently from Luke. And again, those of you guys have been following the podcast for the last few years, you know I love Luke. I think he's a great fighter. The guy has cashed me a lot of tickets through the years. Um, I was on his wagon before everybody kind of hopped on and realized how good he was. So I get it. I know how talented this guy is. I think he has capabilities here in this fight to actually finish Brown, of course. Um, I think he can knock Brown out, maybe even submit him, of course, as well. So Luke is the better fighter. He's got more paths to victory. He can win on the scorecards as well. But I wouldn't lay it here. I mean, this is just kind of another head scratcher spot for me. And I think if anything, if Brown, like I said, fights very smart, he's capable of pulling off this fight right now. So I don't know. I mean, again, it's kind of crazy even saying it out loud because I, I couldn't imagine before recently, I guess, before the Brown beating Luke in this spot. But I think it's, it is possible now. The more as he gets closer to fight time and the more we kind of think about everything and the scenario that they're in. So the pick for me is Luke. But again, another spot where it's probably a dog or pass situation, as crazy as that sounds, at the current line, at the current time of date. I mean, Luke in 2020 during the pandemic, Brown might be able to pick him off. So my pick is Luke. But again, be cautious if you're betting this fight. And I actually, you know, really like Luke here. I just, Randy Brown is, uh, a bit of an enigma. I mean, the guy has great, uh, physical attributes. He's long. He's got a little bit of pop. He's got some technique, both with his, uh, striking and with his ground game, uh, because of those long limbs. But, uh, Vicente Luque is a guy that is super talented. I mean, on the feet, he's got power. He's got great boxing. Um, and then on the ground, he has a very strong submission game. So I just don't see a lot of easy paths to victory here um, for Brown. Um, Luque, the only thing that has me concerned at all with Luque is that he's been in quite a few wars in uh, the UFC now. You know, this is a guy that, you know, even though he has won, uh, I think, six or seven of his last eight fights inside the octagon and has beat some pretty decent fighters... He has been in some slugfests. Uh, the Barbarina fight was a back and forth battle. Uh, he, you know, again had a close, tough fight with Mike Perry. Um, you know, he did take some damage in the Stephen Thompson loss. And then in his last fight against Nico Price, where he again was able to get a, a late finish, uh, he took some damage in that fight too, with Price uh, showcasing some pop. Uh, but in this fight, um, I think that the, the paths to victory are clear for Luke. I think on the feet, he should be the better striker than Brown as long as he can get inside Brown's long range. Um, Durability-wise, Luke can take a shot. uh, And Brown, on the other hand, has been knocked out even from top position by Nico Price when uh, working in his guard. So uh, I think if Luke lands some good shots, he can definitely take Brown out on the feet. 
And on the ground, while Brown is long and lanky, he doesn't really have that great a wrestling. Uh, I see if it goes to the ground that Luke would probably be the one in top position and Luke would probably be the one uh, working over ground and pound or even going for submissions. Uh, Brown might be able to do something crazy with those long limbs, go for an arm bar or a triangle choke. But for the most part, I like Luke on the ground as well. So uh, I just really like the paths to victory here for Luke. I think he is the more talented uh, fighter in general, although Brown does have the physique, but I just don't think that'll be enough. So unless Luke's chin has just gone down the toilet uh, out of nowhere, then he should be able to win this fight probably by TKO at some point. So my pick is going to be Luke. Now dropping down to the women's flyweight division, we have a top contender fight here between Joanne Calderwood, who is 14 and four, taking on Jennifer Maya, who is 17, six and one. Now, Nick, where did this fight open and how has the public shifted things so far? Calderwood opened minus 130 to come back on Maya plus 110. And right now over at Circus Sports, we are currently seeing Calderwood at minus 152 to come back on Maya plus 132. So line did escalate up a little bit. Now we're seeing the line come back down a little bit as well. There is, again, two-way action coming into this fight. Like, it should be a very competitive ladies' fight. should be a good one. I mean, you have two of the top flyweights in the world going out of here, no doubt about it. I was actually going to bet Maya in her original matchup. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. Um, and now we have a late replacement in Calderwood stepping in here, which is actually a tougher fight and a more difficult fight for Maya. So hats off to her for keeping and taking this fight and keeping this spot on this card, because I do think this is a tougher matchup for her. So that being said, I mean, we should probably see this fight play out on the feet some. Both these ladies are skilled on the feet. They like to put pressure on their opponents, mix things up. I think Calderwood has a little bit more length. I think she mixes things up a little bit better. She has more in her toolbox, so to speak, than Maya does. But Maya has that pressure. She hits a little bit harder than most people give her credit for as well. Uh, she's a strong fighter. I think she could kind of slow the pace up at times by clenching up against the fence and getting control of this fight. But Calderwood, I think, has probably the better wrestling as a whole. She's got the better jiu-jitsu skills overall as well. And I think she's going to be just a step ahead of Maya in this fight. And I think it's going to be clear enough for her to edge out the scorecards. So to me, I think in space, especially Calderwood's able to land a little bit more. She does have a pretty good clinch. I mean, so even if that space kind of narrows and they're clinched up a little bit, I think Calderwood will be okay there. And again, even on the ground, I think she has a sled edge. So for me, I think it will be competitive 29-28, maybe even a split decision with the judging, who knows these days, uh, but I still think Calderwood edges this out, and she is the better fighter. Unfortunately for Maya, I mean, like I said, a tougher opponent, in my opinion, um, you know, with Calderwood stepping in here, so the winner of this fight is going to take a huge step forward in the flyweight division. The loser is still going to be relevant. I mean, it's not a bad loss for either lady, for sure, but uh, the winner takes a huge step up, so the pick for me is Calderwood. I think she does probably get it done. And I'm right with you. Uh, Calderwood I think is just the more well-rounded fighter here. Uh, Maya is a pretty decent striker, and she does have some uh, ability in the clinch, but Calderwood is more well-rounded. Um, in open space, she can work her kicks. She has pretty good boxing. When she's in the clinch, Calderwood has some strong Muay Thai skills. She has uh, can land some elbows and knees. Uh, she could be pretty dangerous up close. And then What's really been helpful for Calderwood is that she's been ex really working on her game and adding some ground and wrestling especially, and that has actually really started to put her over the edge in terms of uh, helping her get some wins recently. Um, you know, the win over Andrea Lee, I think, the takedowns were a key part. 
they helped her defeat Lipsky, who has turned the corner in the UFC and started to become a little more dangerous. Um, you know, that you could argue that she should have got a win against uh, Chukagian and uh, she was able to get takedowns in that fight too. So, um, I actually think that the, the path to victory here is clear for Calderwood. Just mix things up. Make this an MMA fight. Don't just turn it into a boxing match because that's how Maya has the, a chance to win. But if Calderwood can work her over with kicks in the clinch and especially taking this fight to the floor where, uh, while Maya does have relatively good takedown defense, uh, she has, uh, lost fights like, you know, notably the, the Carmouche fight because she got taken down. So I think, uh, Calderwood has a great opportunity to come in here and make something happen on the ground. So Calderwood is going to be my pick. I think she wins a, a decision, um, relatively easily here and becomes the number one contender and takes on Shevchenko in her next fight. So Calderwood is going to be my pick. Now, this brings us to the main event of the evening in the middleweight division. We have Derek Brunson, who is 20 and 7, taking on Edmund Shabazian, who is 11 and 0. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Shabazian minus 270, the comeback on Brunson at plus 230. And right now over at Circus Sports, we have Shabazian at minus 335, the comeback plus 280 on Brunson. Hearing a lot of chat about the line being too high, Brunson being a real test for Shabazian. Shabazian's not ready for it, but the line keeps on climbing. It's not going back down. I'm sure at one point before the fight time, possibly it will maybe climb back down. But right now, as we see, I mean, a line open at minus 270. Now it's at minus 335. So more action coming in Shabazian's way, more parlays coming in his way as well. I mean, Brunson is definitely a test, so I'm not knocking those people that are saying that this is definitely going to be the hardest fight of Shabazzian's career. It really is. I mean, Brunson, his wrestling is top-notch. If you can survive Brunson's wrestling in the middleweight division, you have a really good chance of fending off most people's wrestling, period. I mean, that's how good Brunson's wrestling and grinding style is. He's got some knockout power you have to be worried about on the feet as well. He's not really known for his striking, but he has knocked out plenty of people. So he's got dangerous hands. He's got amazing wrestling and grappling ability. But Shabazian is the young gun, only 22 years old, up-and-coming fighter. He's finishing everybody. I mean, this fight was definitely made for him to finish Brunson in a way. I mean, matchmaking obviously is key, a big step up the ladder, um, and, you know, for um, Shabazzian, if he does get a win over a solid vet like Brunson, um, he propels himself in that upper echelon of the middleweight division and eventually on his way to a title shot with a win or two uh, more past this point. So he's right in the mix. This is an important fight for Shabazzian. I think he can get it done. I mean, the, the kryptonite in Brunson's game's really been his chin and his defensive problems. I mean, and even it, mentally sometimes, I mean, you could tell going into some of his fights um, that he has lost. He just wasn't there. His confidence level seemed to be down. So it's all depends if he's mentally focused, if he's prepared to utilize that, the blueprint and that path to victory, which is trying to avoid Shabazian's grappling advantages. I mean, Shabazian is the better jujitsu practitioner overall, but I don't think he can submit Brunson unless he hurts Brunson first. Brunson has great grappling in his own right, but I think that's what Brunson needs to do. Get the takedowns, avoid getting kind of guillotine choke or avoid any submission attempts from Shabazian um, on the ground. And then, you know, he could kind of ground Shabazian out and, and have success doing so. Um, win on the scorecards or possibly, like I said, land one of those big bombs on the feet and get Shabazian out of there that way. But more than likely, Shabazian is going to have to sprawl, brawl, keep this fight upright. Or if he gets taken down, get back to his feet and then end up 
catching Brunson on the chin and knocking him out. I think he's more than capable of doing that. Um, this is why the line is where it's at right now as well. I mean, a lot of people believe the writing's already on the wall here. Shabazi should get the W. Um, at the betting window, it is a hard spot to bet. I would not lay minus 300 on Shabazian. Uh, maybe look at a Shabazian inside the distance prop. I mean, he's, I don't think, again, Shabazian probably doesn't finish Brunson by submission unless he hurts him to the point where Brunson's almost unconscious and he, he sinks in a sub in that position as well. So I could see a sub happening, but more than likely Shabazian by knockout. So if you're going to bet Shabazian, bet him inside the distance or by knockout. Um, or again, you could maybe, you know, par- throw him in a parlay. Again, if there's no value straight though, there's no value obviously in a parlay either. So I think inside the distance or a prop is probably the way to go. So if Brunson can pull this off, man, I'll tell you what, it would be definitely a big wrench, you know, as far as the matchmaking goes here, because I mean, Brunson has already been towards the top of the ladder, towards the top of the food chain. So he's kind of one of these gatekeepers right now, and he's going to be utilized for that role. So Shabazian has to get through that gate. I think he's capable of doing so. So the pick of Shabazian, and obviously, like I said a few times already, he probably gets a knockout win. Yeah, Shabazian is super talented. I mean, coming in undefeated, a lot of hype, and he's lived up to the hype. Um, You know, this guy is able to just put people out uh on the feet he has some tremendous skill there uh you know finishing guys like uh Brad Tavares most recently quickly uh, a guy that was ranked in the top 15 so it's time to see what he's capable against a, a good ranked fighter and uh Derek Brunson is that perfect test because uh Brunson has a ton of power on the feet um and he has some strong wrestling so Let's see what Shabazian can do against a, a pretty decently well-rounded fighter. Now, Brunson has his flaws, uh, most notably. Um, he can be pretty sloppy on the feet when he's going for the finish, um, leaves openings, and we've seen him get, you know, and he doesn't have the greatest chin. We've seen him get finished quickly uh, by uh, Jacare Souza. We've seen him get uh, finished you know, actually twice by Jacare Souza in the first round. Um, Robert Whitaker finished him in the first round. Adesanya finished him in the first round. So uh, there are some talented, heavy hitters on the feet that can take uh, Brunson out. But we've also seen Brunson look really good against some other guys like uh, Sam Alvey, uh, Lyoto Machida, um, Elias Theodoro most recently, Ian Heinish most recently, uh, even, you know, way back, uh, you Joel Romero, you know, that was a really close fight that he was on his way to winning before he started to slow down. So Brunson is a really talented fighter, and this is, I think, the perfect test to see just how good Shabazian is and whether he is uh, somebody that should be in the title mix. Um, so if Shabazian is able to avoid getting taken down repeatedly, I mean, the path to victory is clear. Just start working over Brunson on the feet. He has a big technical edge there. Um, avoid that monster power shot that Brunson is capable of delivering and land his own. Because uh, if these guys are trading blow for blow, um, I do not see Brunson being able to take the damage that Shabazian is able to dish out. And I think Shabazian, while Brunson is insanely powerful, I think he can take uh, a shot from Brunson and not, and uh, land his own. So uh, unless Brunson is able to really uh, take this fight to the floor repeatedly, I don't see him uh, getting the win. And uh, one thing to, to remember, this is, I believe, a three-round main event because it was elevated to the main event on pretty short notice when uh, the Holm versus Aldana fight fell apart. But uh, 
So Brunson does only have to use his wrestling for two out of three rounds if he wants to try to win a decision here. But I still think that over the course of a three-round fight, if Brunson doesn't get a finish, he's probably getting finished himself. So uh, I like Shabazian. I think he stays undefeated. I think the hype train keeps rolling. And I think he probably wins by TKO in that first round. So that'll do it for our full event breakdown for UFC Vegas 5. Um, if we have any free plays to give out, make sure to follow at MMAOB Premium on Twitter because that's where we'll post them first. Um, you can also check out the free bet section on MMAOddsBreaker.com. Uh, I believe we do have a free bet from uh, Rockstar Z if you want to check that out. Um, and if you want to be added to our email alert list, just send a pick, uh, an email to picks at MMAOddsBreaker.com and we'll add you to a free bet mailing list. Remember, check out MMA Oddsbreaker Premium. Good luck, everyone, and hopefully the betting gods are on your side this weekend.